Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Kevin, welcome back, man. How you doing? Doing pretty well, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Sure. Of course, of course. I, I told you this on the phone, but I'll tell all the other people, and this is not to disparage all the other guests that I've ever had, but you are one of my favorite people to talk to because you know a lot about a lot of things, and so the conversations go anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's a pleasure for me. I like knowing a little, a lot about a lot of things. It, it's, uh, it makes for an interesting life. So, Yeah, 100%. I don't like saying knowing a little about a lot of things. Cause <laughs> I almost, yeah, yeah. You heard me almost say that. Well, not you, but that's generally the saying. And I don't, I don't know. I like think to be an expert in something is kind of nuts, but you have to know a decent amount about something to have a conversation about it. Uh, you can't just know it exists. So right. I don't know. It's tough that's for me. Just... Yeah. It's tough for me to justify having, having an opinion on something without knowing at least something about it. Right. Yeah. hundred so. percent. And that's more than a lot of like, unless you're studying it, just paying attention to things is half half the battle half the mm-hmm. half the battles right there um but we were chatting before and you got this personalized protein powder and the reason why that was interesting to me was because uh my wife has gotten that's still getting nah i'm not getting used to that anymore it's still <laughs> at the still at the weird state it's been like eight months now um but she has she's she's got personalized like skincare stuff mm. um and I've seen this kind of trend pop up on the internet and we saw it the with food delivery at first when people were like, okay, you're only delivering pizza and Chinese food. Right. And DoorDash and Grubhub and everybody else was like, why can't you just do that with everything? And then it's like, okay, well, why can't, if you order food that you want, why can't you order other things that, right? Amazon is now doing it. It's like, well, why can't you order other things that you want? It's like, okay, protein powder. And I was like, well, why don't, you just have protein powder or things that are just for you. So just put in the answers to the questions and we'll send you the thing. And that to me has been very interesting because generally I'm wary of giving that sort of information or, oh, I don't know what they asked for, but the information necessary to like that a professional soccer team would take to give you your personalized, like, okay, you're subbed out of the game. You played 80 minutes. Here's your, here's your electrolyte drink that has the levels that you need. The right. amount of medical testing that they need to do to get that. Like, right. I don't know if I would want to just. Yeah. That, that starts to verge back. into like <laughs> private medical records kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So this, you know, uh, is is a new thing for me. I just just essentially ordered it a couple days ago. It's called Gainful. Um, it's one of multiple, I think, services that provide something similar like this. But essentially, they asked me a brief questionnaire. It was um, like age, weight, goals. Uh, if you have preferences, like no caffeine or you know plant based or or anything like that, uh, you know. Mother's maiden name, street you grew up on. No, <laughs> um, nothing that was too invasive. A lot of it was on scales. So, you know, how uh, for the rehydration stuff, it was how intensely, how intensely do you sweat during, uh, during exercise? And it was like mild to moderate to extreme. Uh, obviously, I put myself as extreme because I sweat within five minutes of doing anything. Um, but somewhat basic stuff, but enough to, the impression is anyway, enough to tailor these uh mixes to my needs 
within a broad ish range like it's not literally my metabolism but it's like okay he wants to build muscle build lean muscle lose a little bit of weight and then something i didn't realize until afterward was that you also have access to a i feel like, I feel like they should sponsor me at this point uh access to like a registered dietitian and so i just i just shot him a message because i'm somewhat allergic to or intolerant of a bunch of different foods so it's tough for me to get protein like nuts whey soy eggs fish uh all all are a problem for me, dairy. So uh, I sent a message like, hey, how do I fix this? And we'll see what he says because I just sent it off. But that's kind of cool. I didn't realize that I also got access to um, somebody who might be able to help me. We'll see. And uh, and it's canceled anytime, so I figured I'd give it a shot. But yeah, I yeah. thought it was kind of cool that it was kind of, um, I mean, it's, it's trendy, as you mentioned, but it's the personalized fitness without too much medical information. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. You... Actually, I think I did know that you and those foods weren't friends um it sucks man it's so hard to get it's so hard to get clean pro i just want to eat an apple sometimes i can't even eat an apple that's it. Just, you know it's no protein in apple but you know so um jenna also she worked in food allergy for a while and one of the things that and the only reason i asked this is because i was hearing it while she was working at working there for however long she was working there but there was all these things about exposure therapy and different things mm. like things like that have you researched um, done any not Googling? like clinically so yeah. i just i just got referred to a uh to an allergist so i'm hoping i can i don't know if that's like the back panel with all the different whatevers mm -hmm. but i want to figure out what i'm actually allergic to and then go from there with recommendations i don't want to just be like well you know my lips what my throat swells up when i eat a, a cherry so i'm just going to eat a cherry a day <laughs> hope i don't die um, no of course of course I, I wouldn't i wouldn't do that myself either <laughs> but uh i think that is the next step is essentially figuring out you know what can i do if i can do anything to mitigate some of these things so i can enjoy a, a wider variety of food if i can yeah 100 percent. because if it's an intolerance rather than an actual allergy then it might be able to i don't know i'm not an allergist or a well, that's that's what person. I'm hoping, right? Yeah. Like, there's some shot or something I can take where I can, you know, have. Yeah, because I've seen it with like with animals protein. before. Like my little brother, when my mom got cats, he was allergic to cats, and then over time, like he went and got a few shots, I guess mm -hmm. allergy shots, and then over time, just being exposed to the cats every day, it kind of just like went away, and then. Uh, my brother-in-law also is allergic to cats, but his girlfriend has a cat and the same thing. He didn't do any allergy things at all, but over the course of the school year, he got better. And then when he went back the next fall, he was really allergic again. And then it got better over the course of the year. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I will let you know how it goes. I'm because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, but I'm, I'm hopeful for you because Jen, like Jenna's got similar things with a variety of different foods and because uh because i happen to do most a lot of the grocery shopping on the list like every week there's a new okay we're not doing gluten for these two weeks because she's been on a like she's she's figured out a lot on her own mm -hmm. um but so yeah i know and yeah i know it's a pain to just have to like read the ingredients list and stuff all the time yep and yeah. some are easy substitutions, like sun butter instead of peanut butter. Tastes delicious. Love it. Mm -hmm. But like, 
I can't just eat an apple <laughs> or, or yeah. you know, I can't just eat fruit. Um, or, you know, anytime I have any kind of protein, I need to figure out like, okay, what kind of protein is this? What's in it? Or, you know, cause I start drinking a protein shake and my, you know, my throat will be like, what are you doing? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing, bro? Um, that's not, so. so what, so protein, well, I guess well, that's good that the personalized powder then exists. Cause you can check all those things off and, it, and it'll help I'm you out. I'm hoping so. Yeah. That'll be good. Fingers crossed that that also doesn't make your throat close <laughs> up because. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> that would be bad marketing <laughs> and also unfortunate right. um well that's cool man also are you i don't even know what I'm... so if you got the diet the dietitian and then also getting the gym a little bit more you're still playing soccer right i think we oh, talked yeah. two we times talked a week that. good good so how how are you feeling you generally with life because i know i a lot of people that i talk to are soccer players and so that they are i like my world exists in a vacuum i've got the people in my office that are old and don't do anything and then i've got soccer players who are in great shape so i don't like my friends i don't know so how how are you doing with like like with like adjusting from covid and then work-life balance are, are you still remote i don't i don't really know what i'm asking yeah no I'm let's let's, let's dig is. into it actually real quick since since there may be people who haven't seen me before. Um, I'll do like my very quick spiel and then I'll dive yes, right into that. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, so my name is Kevin Reedon. Uh, Eric and I played soccer together however many years ago uh, in high school. We've been friends since. Uh, I work as a video game designer in the in the games industry. and But I love just learning. I love learning about everything. So I'll do fantasy. I have a bunch of different hobbies. I'm still trying to work up enough... Um, uh initiative to start trying to learn to dj i bought myself a turntable i haven't learned to dj yet but uh but yeah so i'm primarily a game designer but but uh i i like variety uh life and then yeah so let's see covid was rough for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um right Uh, i I, it'll never be gone right it's not quite uh as pandemic but i don't see very many people wearing masks out nowadays um for me and part of it, so okay so let's see major life updates i was in a relationship for a while that was awesome but uh ended up ending about a month ago so i'm i'm now in that transitory process super cliche of uh i have so much more time to work on myself now um so so that's that's cool uh, it sucks cuz uh cuz it sucks you know, I'm a you know a little bit more lonely. My uh, my love language is physical touch, so like being touch starved when I work from home, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, like my bros would be like if I said like you know, hey Tim, could I get a hug? He'd be like, sure. But like you know, I'm not gonna like, hey Tim, I need my we you know, I need my daily hug. Like let's go. Um, so that's a little rough, but uh, but on the flip side, I I am still able to do things to better myself. And part of that's um, I'm hitting the gym more. I'm actually maybe to, to answer your question, like perfectly centered between I am not like a 45 year old man who never does anything, but I'm also not in like semi-pro soccer shape. Like I play, I play in an adult league recreationally twice a week, uh, which is great. Um, I'm starting to do a little bit more weightlifting. I, uh, and it's, to really shoot myself in the foot, I am trying to build lean muscle and lose fat at the same time, which is, you know, super easy. I'm told, um, totally not, but, uh, I'm 10 pounds down in the last month Awesome, dude. and which is cool. And, uh, um, 
and hit in the gym and weights more often, which has got me feeling better. Um, which is great. And then I'm doing other stuff to try to better myself. I'm trying to put myself out there to meet other people, which is a nightmare. That's a whole nother conversation. It's just absolutely a nightmare. Um, go to the gym more often. Like I said, I'm buying stuff for myself. I wanted to branch into Henley's. So I bought myself a Henley treat yourself, right? Uh, I'm trying this, this gainful thing, this protein powder. I'm, um, bought myself a new TV. It's really nice now having an apartment that feels like an apartment and it's just kind of small life stuff like that. So it has been, it has been rough. You know, I haven't, I hadn't been to the gym in a while. Um, and so I went back to the, for the first time about a month or yeah, just over a month ago and said essentially like, Hey, I haven't been in this gym for like a, a year, like help me out. Um, that's been going well. And, and, and overall I'd say things are on the up and up, but it's still, still kind of, uh, you know, emotional or yeah. stuff like that. How's so mini spiel on gym, gym stuff. Yeah. Resistance training for longevity as like a, as a person is mm-hmm. almost the number one, like best thing that you can do to stave off aging. Right. Cause as, as you age your, your muscles and your joints and your bones deteriorate and kind of the resistance training helps with that generally even just for being a healthy person mm-hmm. um 100% but the other the other side to that is that i think while you are right that to lose fat and build muscle at the same time is definitely not the easiest thing in the world the more muscle that you put on the more calories you burn because the the it's denser so your body is burning more like um more calories as you go through the workout. So there's a, I mean, there's a good side to that too. So, I mean, obviously, uh, but right. Um, totally down for it. I think for me, it's just navigating like, okay, what do I need to do to do both, <laughs> both like diet wise and sleep wise yeah. and just, and exercise uh, lots wise, of so. protein and calorie deficit really is what it is because you don't have to necessarily bulk. You just need to change your, Right. You just, you just need to, you need to change your body composition. <laughs> just do this. It's easy. Yeah. Like, so when you change your body composition, it's the, right. The only, the, the only way to lose weight really is you're in calorie deficit right. for, for an extended period of time. If those calories are bad, like shitty calories for you, like if it's, if it's all donuts, but you've only eaten one, like that's still not good. So it needs to be filled with like with proteins and and stuff, which you, as you mentioned before, is not the easiest thing in the world for you. Um, but yeah, if it's filled with lean proteins and you're in like a slight deficit, right? Don't starve yourself. But no. if you're if you're saying like you're in a couple hundred deficit a day, I'm pretty comfy the, with then, my caloric deficit. I, the big problem for me is how do I get enough protein? <laughs> yeah, because that'll do been, it. Because yeah. the protein is what rebuilds the muscle tissue, and the calorie deficit is what kills is what kills the fat kind mm-hmm. of because your body has to basically um it didn't get enough calories for that day and so it's going into your uh, i forgot what the order is glyce glycogen i don't know what the order is but but eventually at some point it starts to burn fat right like burning the storage yeah yeah and so that's kind of and so if you if you are getting enough protein if your uh, macros and in, in the protein are high enough then your muscles will still rebuild properly but it'll burn other areas of, of the body. So that's, I don't know for somebody that has taken no classes in anything. Uh, that is the, Hey, sounded good to me. That's, that's, <laughs> the, lay, that's the layman's, uh, at least that's how I understand it. So, um, well, yeah, so I, I mean, 
yeah. So hopefully the protein powder will help, but it's it's the consistency that does it rather than just like you gotta keep doing the same thing. It gets boring, dude. Trust me. Jenna, Jenna's like, well, you eat the same thing every day. I'm like, well, yep. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah, <laughs> I try to I try to switch it up like on a monthly basis if I can, mm-hmm. or at least I did when I went more regularly. You know, mm-hmm. like okay, we've been doing the same work, same routine for a month or two. Let's do something slightly different. But uh, yeah. You know, it is it is kind of tough, but it's all good, right? It's a process. Yeah, hundred. It's a good process once you get into it. It's like it's good. It's good for you. It's good mentally. It gives you an escape from all the things that you found. And was I don't I don't know if you. I hope you keep going with it because I don't if plan it, to stop. If it turn if it turns into I don't know, there's some step where it's like you do it one thing. It's it was a goal, and then it's a habit, and it's a lifestyle, or whatever the thing is there's some mm-hmm. graphic that went around once it turns into a lifestyle because for me now if i don't go i'm mad at myself and that's and you feel bad yeah and that, like, that, like yeah that's the motivation for me like you know it, it was pretty easy for me to cut out drinking sugar because mm-hmm. when i drink sugar i feel bad yeah <laughs> so i'm like i don't like how this feels and 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 there like there was a period of time when I was working out at the gym frequently and then I stopped because of COVID and there's no excuse. I should have found something else to, you know, provide an outlet, but uh, I I felt bad. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, you feel bad for not working out. And so I'm hoping, I'm I'm very glad that that's the case because it it motivates me to, to go do something. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's the same way for me with eating. Like I, I need to pregame my body with some poor food before I go on vacation so people don't look at me like I'm a nut job. And 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 to that point, like I'll order a salad, whatever. It doesn't matter. Salad is just the example. The dressing right. is what gets is the, the dressing is what gets you. But if I know that I'm gonna go somewhere where like good like uh, clean food is not gonna be available. I have to either mentally prepare that my stomach is going to hurt or, <laughs> or, or like the day before I'll be like, yeah, I'll get some fries instead of veggies on the side just to like suck it up because yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun for sure. Also for one phenomenon that I found interesting is people will, I've had this happen multiple times where somebody at, whether it's work or somebody I'm just like playing pickup volleyball with will be like, Oh, what do you like? What do you eat? basically saying, oh, I want to get in better shape. What do you eat? Sure. And so I'll tell them what I do. It's like, I don't have a specific diet. I just get mixed veggies as a side instead of fries, or I do things like that. And then we'll go eat and I'll do what I said. I'll be like, oh my God, you're getting a salad. It's like, well, yeah, man. <laughs> it's like, this is what you just asked about <laughs> three hours ago. You got you, know, you asked me about it. Like, yeah, I'm like doing you, what I told you. And then you have like, you have to do it. Oh uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's funny, man. But it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, once it becomes a habit and you just start doing it, and then you, and then like we were talking before about being insecure about various things. Once you're, once you just do it and it becomes part of who you are, then you stop caring. It's like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm the only person that would at a bar, people are getting like plates of nachos and fries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I look at the menu and I'd be like, can I get like a grilled chicken sandwich with the mixed veggies? And then I take the bun off the top and just eat like I'm the only person people look at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, yeah. Eh. I mean, like, fine. like what you said, like at some point your stomach's going to hurt. <laughs> like, 
like it's not it, you know you eat you eat the things because they taste good or because they make you feel a certain way right but if they don't make you feel like if it doesn't make you feel good like what the only reason you would eat it then is because it's you're supposed to you're supposed to get dirty bar food or whatever it's like well or because it tastes good or or because it tastes good sure but like if, if something else tastes pretty decently and isn't going to make you feel like crap then yeah sometimes sometimes you just do it though you're like oh I mean, true. This, this pasta like true this, Hey man, my my bi-monthly like, Taco Bell cravings. We don't talk yeah. about those. <laughs> You're like, I know I'm gonna feel like shit afterwards, but it, for, but for this 30 minutes that I'm eating, it's so worth it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so worth it. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm glad things are going well in, in that in that aspect for sure. And if you, I mean, if you got questions, definitely shoot me a text or anything because I'm trying to. I train or I have I don't know. I train kids in soccer, but also uh, like a supplement to that is when people are like, oh, what? how should I work out? Well, I usually send them to Dallas. Shout out to Dallas for actually, you still owe me a workout plan, Dallas, for one of anyways. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I help generally with like that sort of thing or and I have people that do that for a living so that I know that I can refer you to or whatever. So nice. Appreciate it. Shout out to Kevin and Chris. Different Kevin. FC training grounds. Those are my buddies. They just opened a new gym. They're our age. They opened, they rented out a space and outfitted it. It's sick. It's so cool. They have a recovery room with a cold plunge sauna and the compression boots. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, not, not, doesn't ring a bell. Um, they're like giant boots that go up to your hips basically. And it basically goes in and out of squeezing your leg just to Mm. get blood flow to it. Um, yeah, it's cool. Cold Very plunge cool. is another yeah. one. I bought one of those uh, cold plunge thingies, and I've been doing it almost every day. And that's a good one point. too. Yeah, yeah. What? So I was taking ice baths before I bought it, but only like hips down because mm-hmm. my because my knees were were bad. Um, it took a while to get used to it being up to like my neck. That took a little while to get used to. And there are some days when I'm just like, no, not today, <laughs> man. But I don't know. Yeah. It's another one of those things where you just like make yourself do it and then you feel better afterwards. Um, Yeah, it's cool. I don't know. All these things have become trendy, but I don't even think it's bad because they're good for you. So it's not like, I don't know. Yeah, vaping. I'd much rather the trend be something healthy than like, you know, injure yourself for the content. It's like mm. eat, eat Tide Pods. Yeah, eat Tide yeah. Pods. <laughs> Tide Pod challenge, yeah, or vaping or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know. But yeah, no, it's good. It's good for sure. Um, but it it's like it's a lot of work because mm. we're we're in an apartment that is not on the first floor, and so mm. I put it on the balcony, and there's like a little tube, and I drain it off the side of the balcony, and I just hope that nobody's down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to refill it because we don't have a hose, I put a bucket in the bathtub. And then basically shuttle carry. Wow. Every day. No, 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 no. I, okay. I leave, I'll leave the water in there for like two weeks or so. Until okay. I get, until I was going to say, like, that sounds miserable. No, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that if it was every day. That's yeah, that's not fun, but I do have to, I do have to replenish the ice cause it's getting hot here. So I have to replenish the ice like every couple of days, but it's not so bad. Cause we have a, our freezer has the ice maker and I just mm-hmm. put it in. It's like, as long as it's cold enough that, that remains cold then it's okay i don't know what the temperature is that it like your body still gets the benefits um but 
don't know. That's been fun too. And it definitely wakes you up for sure. Oh yeah. Like first thing in the morning, go out. Just okay, I'm awake. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes it's a game that you play with yourself. How long can I stay in here before I have to get out? It's like, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't pushed it past like 10 or 12 minutes yet. And I haven't because I have work. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're going to wake up an hour early so you yeah. can push your, uh, your yeah, personal, like, no, personal record. No, I'm good. That's yeah. yeah I'm fine. That's good. <laughs> Speaking of cool. cold water, uh, the Titanic people. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So that happened at time of recording. What week? Last week or the week before? Week before, I think. This is what says the thirtieth of June. Yeah. Uh. So I guess it's been a couple weeks, right? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on <clears throat> two two things? The situation from an an engineering perspective on the submarine itself, and then two. Just like, uh, I guess we'll call it the extreme tourism. You see, like billionaires wanting to go into space, and like then this and other things like that. What are your thoughts on that stuff? So you know, I'll start with the caveat that you know, I guess this is kind of hypocritical of me to start the podcast with. It's tough for me to have an opinion on things I don't know a lot about, and then also have an opinion on something that I haven't done a huge amount of research on. So fair warning. Hey, that, that's right? why we're here. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Fair warning. And uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong in this case as a, as a matter of opinion, but just, just you know, listener beware. Um, so from an engineering standpoint, uh, actually, the thing that's, that, that's, that stuck out most to me was, was how people are memeing on the, the use of the controller to steer the submarine as a, as a failure point, uh, which... It, when it's actually probably one of the more stable parts of that system, <laughs> like like familiarity and and relative simplicity are are very good fail safes against failure, right? Like you're much more likely to have, or you're much less likely to have an abacus fail than in a calculator, just on average, on average, right? Um, so I, uh, but but I think in general, my thought is. You know, from from what I understand, that there were some structural um, irregularities or, um, I guess, ill-advised choices made regarding the engineering, regarding the nature of the engineering of the submarine and the trip and the trip down. That um, kind of echo back to it's really tough for people to to feel. An experience that they haven't had, and in this case, if you've never been put in a certain situation, which might be dangerous, or you haven't experienced engineering or structural failure from a physical standpoint, you know, you've never been in an elevator that hasn't worked, never got your leg caught in an escalator or whatever, right? Then it's tough. It's tough. Um, I'm making assumptions here, but it's it's tough to understand the risk of okay. You know, I'm placing my life at risk because I'm entering into this submarine. Um, have I done my my research about the company and the, and the structural integrity of of this trip? Um, the sensationalist, you know, news is that like, oh, the CEO cut corners. Like, oh, I've never done this thing before, but it's okay because whatever. And you know, you have these engineer, this engineer, or these engineers saying, hey, this really isn't a good idea. Hey, this really isn't a good idea. Hey, this really isn't a good idea. And they still do it. So, so in that case, I, I, you know, 
it's 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 easy to point fingers and say like hubris like oh you know it could never happen to me or oh it'll be fine or oh it should be whatever we've done this before um but i do think it's a mixture of that and just it's really tough for humans to be able to to see that happening to them until it happens to them which i think was the same case with a bunch of people not to sidetrack the conversation same same case with a bunch of people with covid and their and their and their family like firm anti-vaxxers oh, it's just the cold until like their mother dies. And then they're like, oh, it was a problem <laughs> or it is a problem. Um, so, so that's kind of my first thought on that, to be honest. And then the nature of, you know, extreme tourism, um, I do think, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit presumptuous of me to, to discuss as, as a nobody um, the nature of large conversations like this or or you know class-based clashing uh billionaires mm-hmm. versus the the common man um but i think the sentiment seems to be that there's a larger and larger disparity between those who hold a certain amount of wealth and capital in the united states and those who don't and i think that at some point it if it's not already, I think it is already a problem. At some point, it will be a serious problem. And this is, I think, an example of a similar vein of, unless you experience something in your own life or in, in your own way, same with like retail shopping. I, I advocate that everyone should have to work retail before they do anything else uh, and deal with people um, that, that they won't know what or how to experience things that they haven't experienced. So like dropping 250 grand per head to visit the Titanic. Um, it's tough to reconcile that with like, if I had 200 or not I, but like if anyone, ha- if most people had 250 grand, that's a life changing amount of money. And every one of those people decided to spend that amount of money to commission a trip to the Titanic for whatever reason. I feel really bad for the, I believe one of the, one of the men had a son who didn't want to go. Um, and came yeah, because his a... father, his father said it was really important to him, lost his life because of that. But whatever yeah. reason your dad said you had to, or you just wanted to see the Titanic. That's a lot of money. And just another example of kind of the, in my eyes, uh, like a large disparity in worldview when you don't have to think in terms of, life-changing money because your life has already been changed yeah kind of thing and those are kind of my first thoughts do you have any i've been talking for a minute any uh any thoughts on that so i agree with your point about wealth disparity in america but i don't think any of the people that actually went down were american except for the ceo Mm. um so i think the one the guy that you mentioned with his son i think it was from pakistan Gotcha. And then there was like a French guy and then the CEO. And I think the last guy was Canadian. Um, well, wealth disparity in the world in, in any yeah, event, it's definitely yeah, not yeah. limited definitely in the United States. Um, to the engineering point, I agree with your thing about the controller, but I think I stopped seeing the memes about that once people figured out that it, that it like imploded. Um, I think it was, it, it was a funny thing when, People were still looking, and we didn't know what happened. Right. But I think after it imploded, um, we cope with humor. Yeah, yeah. After we figured out that it, that it 
that it imploded, I think it was a little bit different. What was interesting for me was that it had, was that it had gone down a few times already, um, successfully made the trip and, and, and come back. And so for me, that what that leads to is kind of, so obviously we don't know exactly what went wrong, but there's something to be said for people are saying, Oh, it's the carbon fiber, uh, frame that couldn't withstand the pressure. I'm like, well, it, it did like however many times it went down before. Right. Right. And and that's no, that's no joke also for it to withstand that pressure and to make the trip. I think it was two or three times. I think it did. And so maybe they didn't do a good job of checking it before they, or maybe there's like something very minute and small. Right. But for me, what one thing that shows that maybe I don't really want to take silver linings out of this, but silver lining is like the fact that some guy just was like, yeah, you know, we're going to try this other frame. This is a new thing. Nobody sent a carbon fiber thing down this far before. And there's other materials as well. But I think for sea exploration as a whole, I think that's a big that's a big step um, in terms of the technology. One, one thing that I heard, um, oh, what's his name? He's a he's a math guy. He was on Rogan. Eric Weinstein, I think his name is. He was saying that most of the big scientific discoveries come when there is a break, or most of like the technological advances come when there's a breakthrough in physics hmm. or some sort of material, like a material, like a new material thing that's as strong that pushes basically the like pushes it leaps and bounds, right? So so when in aviation, for example the propeller engine to the jet engine is like a huge leap and bound. And we're still using jet engines. They're better than before, but the jump hasn't been as big, right? We've had phones and then they went to, right. Then having Wi-Fi was the big cellular technology was the big jump from the phone. It wasn't the phone itself. It was the cellular. So for me, this is another one of those big jumps that I think eventually people start to look into this maybe more, but the crappy part is it's hard to test 12,000 feet of pressure on something because there's only you could, I mean, you can simulate, but so you send somebody down there, like, so I don't know, it'll set it back for a little while, but potentially promise for, for that, um, for that aspect. Um, and then the other thing, as far as I don't want to turn this into a COVID conversation, but you are, you are right in, in that aspect. And then on there's, the flip side to that where the, like there's been various studies that come out where um the effic- efficacy of the vaccine goes down after a certain amount of time and sure. so and so people so the example you used accurate but i also want to say there was fishy stuff with that and people i think maybe were right to question um so i understand the example that you made and it made sense within the thing, but I don't agree with the context necessarily. Okay. Yeah, totally fair. I think, I think it's everyone's right to question everything. I think it's how we question and how we deal with the information that we're given that ends up at mattering. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I agree with you, uh, especially when it's something, you know, that the impression is this is new. We haven't tested it or, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's affecting my, my, my body. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so totally with you on that, on that page. Um, 
I, I guess maybe that was a poor example. I was, I was speaking mainly to, you know, the nature of, um, of understanding experiences that we personally haven't had. Yeah. I, I knew that's what you meant, but I just wanted to clarify for, um, gotcha. for the broader, the broader audience, because I know that there's people feel very strongly one, one way or the other or used to anyways. Um, and the other thing for me, for me personally with, with COVID was when the heart stuff started to come out and the athletes, I was very wary of, because they're like, Oh, well, it doesn't show up in this many people. And the question that I had posed to, um, to somebody who works in the immunology field was like, okay, I understand that for most people, even if there's maybe some mild inflammation of the heart, it won't matter. But for somebody that pushes their heart in a, in a sport that like strains it a lot, where is the line between, okay, it's fine. You're not straining your heart, but are you straining your heart to the maximum extent where that little inflammation would matter? And that was the thing where I was like, mm, I don't know for mm -hmm. me personally. And so that's, that's why, I, um, I bring that up just for that because like, yeah, no, there are I things appreciate the context. Listening. Yeah. So that's why I know we don't need to go down the rabbit hole. I think is a lot of it's been hashed out with the various Twitter spheres and <laughs> right people and RFK making his rounds on the various podcasts and all the Twitter Elon doing whatever he's, he's doing. But, um, but yeah, that's all. I just wanted to provide provide some context to that. For um, sure. But I, I do understand the example that that you were that you were trying to make. But all right. Any anyways. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think about the material the material part, the carbon fiber part, or just I mean, generally I, that kind of? I yeah. I mean, so in 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 general, I wish there were were easier, more accessible ways to test new things. Right. I think it's a shame. Um, you know, regardless, it is a shame to lose human life, I think. Um, that's something, it, you know, most of us <laughs> can agree on, um, especially especially when it isn't even. Specifically for the advancement of the human race, right? Like we weren't testing the carbon fiber. We were, we were going down to see the Titanic. And so. And so it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough. It, it's also very tough. It's very difficult without evidence to attribute the accident to any specific thing, as you mentioned before. Um, you know, there are a lot of confounding variables uh, that, you know, we, we have no idea whether or not it was any specific thing. And, um, but I do agree with you that, you know, any advancement requires testing and this is, a case study, although albeit a, a tragic one, um, a case study in the use of different materials uh, under extreme duress. Yeah, I agree. I do want to also be like, yeah, like you said, losing the human life is not, nobody nobody wants that. And also the variables of what could happen, like, like a whale could have bumped it on the way down or like something something crazy, unforeseen could have, could mm -hmm. have happened and and or something completely out of the realm of like it yeah, could the ocean it, is not a control yeah. environment <laughs> yes 100 percent, 100 percent. um yeah so i don't know i don't know and speaking back to the controller there's um military systems that use like xbox controllers and, and things of that nature so i don't i think that's actually a rather smart way of rather smart and cheap like cheap not 
cheap doesn't mean bad, but I guess affordable way right. to control things on, on the submarine. Cost effective. Yeah, exactly. And like you were speaking to before, the familiarity, that's one of the reasons why I think some of the military systems are starting to use these controllers because the people that are going through boot camp now have all held an Xbox controller in their hand. But like, it's very familiar to like, you've seen, I mean, you streamed video games, you've seen people play COD and they do like, 360 no scopes and mm-hmm. all these crazy things it's like yeah off the letter double y tap no scope across the map yeah yeah the you muscle know, memory it, on it is insane it's there's a there, and there's been a surprising amount of kind of like ergonomic research that's gone into uh peripherals for for video games right like there's been many generations of these controllers and uh many people are familiar with them and kind of to my earlier point there is um a benefit to simplicity but not that controllers are necessarily like technologically simple in the way that we understand like simple machines but there's a benefit to simplicity and familiarity um and i think it's very easy especially uh especially in the kind of the military zone to like over design over spec um things because they're um well it's a little bit diminishing but like because they're shiny or because they'll definitely get the mission done um in ways that aren't necessarily strictly necessary, aren't strictly necessary. And so I, I, th- I, yeah, I, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a smart idea if it is compatible with your, uh, you know, mission prerequisites and, 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 and what you're trying to get done to use familiar technology and relatively simple technology to, to get it done. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board with it. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. This was our planned segue video game controllers into, uh, yeah. into, into your world. So last time we had uh, talked, you were still working um, with Paladins. And I think one of the questions that I had posed to you last time we talked was FIFA had, was coming out with a cross-platform. Basically, you could play, if you're on Xbox, you can play um, PlayStation and, and other systems, etc. Mm-hmm. But this time when we talked on Wednesday you mentioned that the company that you were working for is much smaller. So I was curious as to your experience transitioning in the same field from a larger company to a smaller one, given the amount of uh, testing resources, dollars that, that can go into a, a video game. As, as we see from EA, they pour billions and billions and billions of dollars into these games to go from not that the company that you worked for was on the same scale. It wasn't right on the same scale as EA to one that's a startup and you only have a handful of employees. How's, how's that transition been for you? Uh, it's been interesting both from, you know, obviously I have an insight as somebody who's in the industry working for the company that consumers may not. So something that I think I've mentioned before, but is fairly frequently or yeah, fairly common is um, this other game does this. Why can't you do this? And you see that a lot in I would I would classify high res as like a double A studio. So not not quite triple A. And so, you know, they had money, but not EA or Blizzard or whatever money. And 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 the big companies can pour. I mean, obviously they don't want to pour infinite amounts of money into a project, but they can pour as much money as they want into the project, and that can get stuff done. Um, you know, just look at Fortnite, for example. They put on mm-hmm. massive um massive patches frequently because they they have the people they have the money to do that and other companies don't other uh and so and that's something that people don't realize sometimes so so that's one thing 
Um, the the biggest thing for me, so the biggest transitions for my previous from my previous previous project to what I'm working on now is in maturity of the project and um, production. And so the project that I'm working on now is in pre-production, so super early on in its lifestyle cycle, as as opposed to Paladins, which was a little bit more mature. And uh, and with that comes some different focuses. So I, I I now write a bunch of fundamental game documentation, like I wrote documentation for uh, controller reference. So you know here are some basic keybinds, here are some alternate keybinds, here are best practices when like okay we use this type of ability on this stuff. Your right trigger fires your gun is, you know, industry standard uh, kind of thing. Um, so I write a bunch of that. And it's also a lot of uh, figuring things out, which can be a lot of fun and can also be pretty stressful. So, you know, how do we bring a system from inception to finish, right? How do we work around the fact that we have a small team that's asynchronous. You know, we have people in different time zones. Do we hold weekly meetings? And does that bog everyone down with their meetings? Or do we hold asynchronous things and rely on people to like take the initiative to provide feedback? And since it's still kind of new and it's still a bit of a startup, we haven't solidified those processes yet, which is interesting and different and something that I think uh, will benefit us when we do kind of work through that. And then the other nature of it was, yeah, kind of along the same 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 lines. You know, we 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 have different focuses if the game hasn't kind of reached fruition yet. And those are okay. Rather than what's the next champion or what's the next system, it becomes how do we build this game? What what systems do we want? How do we build those systems? And maybe working on a, a variety of different things at the same time versus kind of a streamlined pipeline. And those have been those have been the biggest changes for me. But it's been good. How have you liked working on this part of the cycle, the like the life cycle of the game versus the other one? It's interesting. I think I like the freedom to explore different avenues that come that comes with uh, a game that's still being developed from its infancy. You know, if if anyone has a good idea, we can pursue that. If anyone has a shift in pipeline that we feel really brings value to the to the pipeline we can uh, we can approach it that way um the thing that i don't like about it is kind of the flip side of that same token um how nebulous things can be so i might have in my head hey this is how a review meeting should go for a specific champion or a specific system uh and then we don't do it that way and i don't think i can necessarily raise my hand and say like hey everyone else in this meeting we should do it the way that i want to do um without kind of going through you know my manager and production and everything so so the lucy not lucy goosey i think i feel like that's a little bit uh disrespectful but like the uh the the un uh unexplored nature of how we handle stuff i think is 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 a little bit frustrating hmm Interesting. So you mentioned the game documentation, and that's something actually, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, that exists. Because when you buy or when you used to buy um, games that were CDs in the cases, whether it's the little ones for GameCube or the normal size ones for PlayStation, Xbox, they would have the pamphlet and the directions and, and how the controls worked and, and all that stuff. How? I don't really know what I'm... I know the intent of the what I would like to know is basically like 
how simple is it to write the controller the mm. the controls for a game like you just cuz you can just make you could just be like oh uh x is this one and y is that one right and you've got industry standard like you mentioned like right trigger is shoot the gun uh left trigger generally is zoom or throw the grenade like you've right. got like so how you just willy-nilly do it or is there a method i say willy-nilly like you no, use I basically mean, just I, industry I, standards <laughs> or is there a method to like you know what like when you're debating like fifa for instance um y is through ball and x is cross they could have switched that and mm-hmm. nobody like at the beginning and people would have like it wouldn't have mattered now that it is that way they're not going to change it obviously but when you're for a new game are you just like in that example are you just like mm-hmm. yeah this one will just be this one and that one will just be the other one or is so there a method there is there is somewhat of a method what's interesting is um we want to be able to stand on the shoulders of giants or follow what people are familiar with the industry standard while also being able to explore what we feel may um, be better without necessarily reinventing the wheel. So we're not going to slap, we're not going to like randomly slap um, controls on different, different uh, parts of the controller, just because we feel, just because we feel like it, you know, there, there are things that, that the controller has been built for. In fact, I have a controller right here. You know, if, if, if we slapped, movement on anything movement and and looking on anything other than the joysticks it would be both not industry standard and unfamiliar to players and not intuitive and i hesitate to use the word intuitive because it's like such a buzzword like oh it's intuitive it's synergy um but but that that does come into play is you know what 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 are what are what is player expectation and how can we provide a player experience that we feel is appropriate while also hitting that player expectation. Um, and so, and then the middle ground, right, is, you know, you have your industry or you have your, I wrote a recommended, like, Hey, I think this should be default. And then I also um, want to write some alternatives. So you'll see some, you'll see some games nowadays, uh, especially like call of duty or apex have like a, like a whole list of preset controller keybinds. Like here's your southpaw. Here's your southpaw with melee reversed. Here's your, you know, like yeah. just fourteen or fifteen of them. And the more that you do of that, the more work is required of you. But it also provides more variety for the player um, and more accessibility. So it's a little bit of like, you know, how much how much work do you want to put into it? You know, do do I expect players to like if like frequently use this button and should it be more accessible then? Right? Do most players expect an ability to be on right trigger or right bumper or B is colloquially colloquially like escape or get yeah. out or whatever or crouch, right? And so players might expect that. Do we feel that it's a strong enough pull to put reload on B instead? And why? And so that's kind of the conversation we have or you know, within within stuff like that. That's interesting. It feels like something that a consumer would not have an appreciation for what goes into that because every game is kind of the same generally when you have industry standards, but I've also seen games where you can make your own controls. I think that's, I think that's very powerful. I I advocate for being able to rebind things unless there's a very specific uh, reason not to, and that might be like easily cheatable or macroable, um, or if it really throws off competitive integrity, but most of the time, yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for players being able to, uh, to rebind, especially for accessibility issues as well. 
if you are missing a hand, for example, or you have a, an adaptive controller, it makes it so much easier if you can find what you want where you want. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, Age of Empires is a. I I don't know if we talked about this last time we talked, but uh, so I think it's, so. It's an um real time strategy game where like using, I don't know if you can see this mouse, but the ones on the side mm -hmm. here that are not on a normal mouse, and there's also here and here, mm -hmm. and so those buttons on like the gaming mouse provide some level of um. Like hot, like the hotkeys, you can you can do whatever you want basically with that game, um, and there's a guy I talked to uh, on the podcast. His name is Dave. He's like a a caster for some of the big tournaments. He'll mm -hmm. play Age of Empires with a PlayStation controller, which yeah. is kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> given like the clicking thing and like the cursor of the mouse is like it feels like that would be difficult to do with a with a PlayStation controller. But it's interesting that people have different preferences, and uh, well, I mean. I just said that out loud, I hear, and I, I was like, "That sounds silly." Everyone, of course, has different preferences, but the, I guess, willingness to try—like, no one would think to try to play Age of Empires with a PlayStation controller—I guess is is what I was was getting at. And then the ability to then that it's coded into the game, and it's not just, "Nope, this is the controls, and this is it." Um, the ability to rebind like you said but then to try different rebind like you have to play so much to be like you know what i think that shooting shooting the gun would really be better at left trigger mm -hmm. like that's a like you would have to play a lot to and really consider that so it's cool that that's a thing and it's cool that the human brain like there are people that are trying these things like I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that. I guess that's no, where I, I was going with I that. I agree. I mean, I think that's why it's so important for, for there to be different options. People can explore and innovate. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it's industry standard for a reason, but it doesn't mean you can't do something that's not industry standard, especially yeah. if it works for you. So, okay. So how else? So what 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 are the other things in, in pre-production, right? When you are, are you in like a modeling phase? Like I've seen like Unreal Engine where, uh, my friend Tommy's making his own video game in his free time, and the avatar that he's using is basically just the standard like oval for the head, and then like mm -hmm. stick for the torso type thing. Are you? I guess I don't. Can you talk about what the game is going to be, or no? I can't really talk about specifics, but I can give kind of general ideas. You know, sure. the, the the nature of this pre production is um, that we have we have goals, right? Milestones. We have um, ideas, and we have different systems and different characters who are in different parts of their life cycle. And so, you know, in in kind of this pre-production stage, a lot of that is um, can be up in the air, which makes it slightly more difficult to commit to. Okay, we are doing this character with this move set, with this set of animations and this model, just because something could change down the line. Uh, and it's also working on a bunch of parallel stuff at the same time, uh, especially, you know, in a character based or hero based shooter, um, like, like we're making, you know, if we're working on, you know, how many characters, let's just say like, like, let's just say five, we're mm -hmm. working on five characters at once. Um, you know, do we have a model for this one? Is this one prototyped from an engineering standpoint? Do we have like, do we, all we have is concept for that one. Like has animation been able to start on this other one? are all, you know, stuff to keep track of because they could all be in different um, parts of the pipeline. But 
all still need to be worked on in parallel because we're trying to create some, you know, kind of slice of the game for a milestone versus a game that's already been in production for a huge amount of time. You put out one champion a month or whatever, and you know exactly where that champion is going to be uh, at any given time in the pipeline. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess uh, the reason I asked or was going down this path is because the amount of, like in Fortnite, the amount of skins or in Call of Duty, the amount of different um, costumes and mission sets and variability, right? If you have a gun, you've got a gazillion different attachments that can go on. Like, And, and for guns, it's a little bit different because there's only, it's like scopes, handles and whatever. But if you're making things up from the standpoint of it's a fantasy-based game, you can kind of just, do whatever you want. So how does that decision, how does that process work? And even if you want to touch on how it worked for, for Paladins, I know that the framework was already set for the game, but mm-hmm. even when you make a new champion, you have to decide name, what they're going to wear, what the, mm-hmm. they're going to look like in game, what abilities and, and moves are they going to have all like all these things. And how does it all fit? Like, how does the conversation work where you're like, how is, and then to balance out the characters. So one is not too, too overpowered than the other ones, or one is not too like shitty um compared to the others how does that how does that all flow together i mean that's a that's a complex answer which is it's really awesome there's a lot of stuff that goes into that i'm a huge advocate for significant collaboration um other people will push for a little bit more siloed uh siloed work but um let's just talk about paladin's champion design for example just as an easy way to to platform off um in a hero based shooter, and you'll hear this term power creep a lot. In a hero based shooter, we try to deliver player experiences through the use of, of these heroes. And we try to do that in unique ways, unique with every champion. Um, but at some point, there are only so many viable ways to deliver a particular experience unless you get super creative or super complicated or or both. And so we strive to be creative and a little bit of complexity isn't too bad, but you don't necessarily want, you know, your 60th hero to be like, okay, and you have to hit this button at five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, like it's so specific or so much knowledge debt or a burden of knowledge to be able to effectively use them. So you kind of balance that out a little bit. Um, you know, we as designers, uh, it's a little bit easier in the early game, actually, because while there are some tropes that I think are important to hit, you know, your familiar rifler or equivalent, so people who have played other games can kind of jump in and be like, okay, I know how this character works. Like, he has a grenade, he has a rifle. Nothing too esoteric. Um, your, like, standard support, like, I don't really, I'm not good at shooters, I can't aim, but I want to play the game and I want to support my team. That kind of vibe is 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 important to hit. But it's also, you know, the field is relatively open because you haven't delivered those experiences yet. As you make more and more, it's like, okay, you know, what if we have a dash? Oh, but the last character had a dash. Okay, what if we made it this different in this way? It's like, oh, is that, you know, technically feasible? Are people going to say, oh, it's just this other character's dash, but you made it different this way? And 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 kind of and balance that out. With um, the design team identifying, are there niches we haven't hit? Are there player experiences we haven't hit? Are there weapons or vibes or whatever? That we haven't hit and part of that conversation is from a mechanical standpoint like hey i want a railgun we don't have a railgun specifically railgun part of it might be a marketing standpoint hey we don't have a character who represents um an experience for for players uh a personal experience for players or personal identity for players and we want to be able to hit that how can we support that 
uh, which is also super powerful. I think representation, seeing your seeing, you know, representation on screen is extremely important. Um, or it might be, you know, from some other aspect. And then we'll go into, okay, how can we make this player experience happen? What do we want to hit? How can we hit that? And then the way that I view it is that from a mechanical or gameplay standpoint, design is tip are typically the um the vision holders. And but um from other aspects, I fully trust my teams to do what they're good at. So I might advise on what I think this character might look like or might sound like or whatever. Um, but I will not make a decision for the art team. However, if the art team says, hey, this animation isn't working, I need to shorten it, or can we shorten it? I will have to go back and say, okay, how does that affect the timing on the ability the animation is attached to? And does that still work from a gameplay perspective? And so there I will have decision-making power, or at least more of a say. And then kind of back and forth and or in parallel work with those teams towards uh, the shared vision for the player experience of the, of the hero or the champion that we're making. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the long answer to, you know, how do you decide over time what, what to do there? Yeah. It's just remarkable. The amount of variables that go into that, like, as you're talking, there's so many variables that go into it. Um, yes. and for so many games to get it right, um, and that's also definition when, are right. Well, <laughs> yeah, most, mostly right. Like from the standpoint of, I cannot think of get it right enough to the standpoint of if a character is released and it is there is an issue that patching one or two things will make it playable enough. Um, because the amount of things that could go wrong far outweigh, I think, for like. Like to take Age of Empires again, when they when they release a new civilization, they have to make sure that the units are all balanced out. And if somebody has too many hit if one unit has too many hit points or their their armor is too resistant to arrows or maybe their farming bonus is too much or they start with like whatever the case may be is mm-hmm. they have they've built it in such a way where the the tweak needed if something is nerfed or overpowered the tweak needed is minimal yes. and so they've built the framework already to the to the standpoint of where if something isn't good it's like okay we'll tweak this one thing and then it'll sort itself out the amount of games that have been in that situation i guess is to me is to me crazy like fifa is one where like the fifa this year Scoring bicycles off corners is a thing that happens way too often. Mm. Um, but there's something like that every year, right? Where it, it there will always be something that is perceived as uh, abnormal, right? And, and players will will see that or latch onto it or bring it up, and that right. is often what is then addressed in in subsequent patches. But there will always be a next thing. Yes, yeah. for sure, because sometimes it breaks something else or whatever the situation is. But, um, yeah, that that to me, why like these conversations that you are having in pre-production to to get it to get it to the point where you're able to release. Right? That's that to me is the crazy part because I feel like knowing how humans work, that somebody would forget something and the game would just be, but. 
to your point or to a point that you made, I think last time we talked the amount of testing that goes into these things is like, is also crazy. So touch on, touch on that a little. I don't know how much we talked about it last time, but you could touch on it anyways, just for, for people that maybe didn't listen or, or, so I guess we'll go testing and then, and then we'll go like whole video game life cycle to release and like kind of how it works. Sure. Um, so I actually started in the industry as quality assurance as QA. And so, uh, I think testing is extremely important. Um, you know, with the understanding that when we release content to the public and there's any kind of decent player size, like player base that there will within a day, within an hour, be more man hours, um, dedicated to play, like spent playing the game than could have tested during the game's life cycle. So, you know, that's your day zero bugs. Like, oh, I can't believe QA didn't catch that. It's like, well, I mean, I hear you, but you didn't hear about the 10 other things or the 50 or the 100 or the whatever. How many other things that QA did catch or the developers did catch and fix? Um, but it's extremely important. You know, we it, it's important to iterate um, frequently, and that's part of it. Like, okay, we have these, you know, to your, you know, to your, to your previous kind of, allusion to like i'm surprised how how many games get it right one we don't hear we don't hear about the games that failed too much well that's true and 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 two you know there's been a lot of iteration there like you know you might have a champion that starts out with a with a rifle and then you know your internal play testers your game designers will be like oh yeah i was firing this rifle and i was doing like 500 damage per shot and my hp is only a thousand so i just died in two hits and it felt like crap then the next you know the next play test the damage might be lowered and so that's kind of a process for, and you know, that's a simplistic example, but that's kind of the process for how do we how do we get towards something that does function and does work? Um and and a lot of that is is testing. A lot of that's is hands-on time spent uh time spent playing the game or experience, right? Uh, I, um a a game designer or I mean anyone, I mean, realistically, anyone with game experience can. I think a game designer just has more tools in their toolkit to describe this this phenomenon. But if you put somebody down in front of a hero in a game and say, you know, just play, um, a lot of times they might be they you know they might be able to say, hey, um, you know, I'm feeling this way when I do this thing, and I suspect it's because of. X, Y, Z. And, and that's actually, and you know, we have a whole other conversation about feedback giving as well. It is so much more useful to give me feedback about what you feel and, and why you feel that way than to try to provide solutions. So like, you know, uh, th this gun feels like, like crap to shoot. I think you should make it fire twice as fast. Um, like what's useful in that is the gun doesn't feel good. Not I'm going to make it fire twice as fast because I'm going to look at what I can do what the problem is and find difference and find potentially different solutions. But, but a lot of that's, again, that iteration, that testing process, sit, a, sit a game designer, sit anyone down in front of the, whatever, and say like, Hey, these are, these are my initial impressions. These are what, these are what I think might be problem areas or, or areas for improvement. This is what I like about it because that's important too. Can we home in on, this is what I like about this. What's fun, which is different for everyone, everyone, but, um, and then, and then push that. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I view that. Gotcha. That makes sense. One uh, one interesting point using the five hundred damage and thousand um, HP example is there's so many ways to solve that problem, mm -hmm. right? You could make the gun do less damage. You could give the character more HP. 
you could up the armor or mm -hmm. you could make the accuracy of the gun like all of these things uh or you could make the character's ability to dodge higher or there's so exactly. many things that you could do to 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 fill that and i guess it wasn't maybe clarify the surprise that people get it right i think is remarkable that they do get it right i mm. guess is, is more is more of what um, the intent of what i was saying because of there's so many things that could go wrong like you picked the wrong answer to that example and it breaks something else um, i suspect so part of that's met part of that's ironed out in further tests so if you increase mm -hmm. the dodge and then suddenly that character can't be hit by anybody then maybe you roll it back and do something else right um, part of it is that i think that there are multiple things that could be right for something like that so you, sure. you know increasing increasing the armor increasing the health are both effective hp but but then you increase the armor and then does suddenly the item that increases armor pen become more valuable? And is that an expected or desired yep. outcome? And so a lot of it's just keeping track of relationships and finding one that works not well enough, but you know, it works within the within expected parameters. Yeah, within, within the parameters of the game. No, that makes total sense. And I think well well enough. That's one thing also that generally pet peeve of of mine coming out of school high school where we went to school was there was no there's school doesn't do a good job of teaching you that in the real world well enough often is well enough and that at a certain point how much time do you spend going from the 95 percent solution to the 96 percent solution is that worth your time um most often no not right right so many pet peeve anyways um what was the thing we we're gonna talk about oh yeah life cycle of the game so hmm. somebody has an idea i guess is that, is that how it starts i would guess and then and then what like for new games because there's been a lot of games that are remakes of like call of duty and fifa mm -hmm. and all these other ones are in cycles where every year they release a new a new title and then they don't the creative sort of process is not really there necessarily so for like a new start game like the one that you're working how does how does it i mean it starts with an idea then what right well you know same way there's a bunch of other with many things it's it's not always so black and white it could be like conversations about you know what are we missing in in the game space it could be it could be i had a great idea let's do exactly this it could be any number of things. So, if, you know, an, an example might be, hey, I think there, I think if we melded some of the mechanics from whatever with some of the mechanics from whatever genre, I think that would be a really cool idea. And so that might be your idea. And then, you know, there's a lot of exploring that space, testing the waters. Do you think we could get funding for that? Do you think that's feasible? Are there other examples that have tried something similar and failed or succeeded? And why do we think? Um, and that's kind of all of the pre, you know, the pre, the pre-vision thing. And that's mostly for companies that either um, can't af uh, can't afford to not do that research. Like if they just wanted to throw money at an idea that they think is good enough, then they can, or are but are large enough that they still want to make a company. So like you could just make a game. It would, it would you would have fewer resources. It would be more difficult. But you could make any game you want on any premise you want. Um, with enough time and, and effort, right? And there's no guarantee that it'll succeed or not, but it, you can do that. But for that middle ground, yeah, you know, I have this idea. Here's why I think it would work. Here's 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 a pitch. I can bring this to people. 
I can get enough funding. I can start hiring people because I have strength. You know, I, I have uh, I have confidence in this idea. And then uh, it is very, 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 very uncommon to have the final game look exactly like the initial concept <laughs> or the initial idea. You, you run into roadblocks. You run into things that you think, oh, that's even cooler, or oh, this actually didn't work as well as I wanted it to. And you, you can usually still see the bones of the project from, from inception through, but, uh, but it's usually pretty different. And then it kind of goes from there and it, and it develops and it evolves into um, ideally a project that the company feels is strong enough to release to the public. Um, but then you also hear about, yeah, canceled projects and whether that's due to management or, or um, you know, the game ended up not being quote unquote fun enough or marketable, a bunch of different factors. What are some milestones that like uh, an exec would look for in a in a new game? Like, oh, it's gotten to the point where it has, I don't know, five characters. I just made that up. But like, what are some milestones where, like, where they're like, okay, we're going to keep giving this funding, keep going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that can be fairly arbitrary. It could, it could be something as arbitrary as like, yeah, give me five characters. But, but I think um, your first, your first playable, like proof of concept, I think is pretty important. So, you know, no models, no custom animations, no whatever, just maybe a core mechanic. Like, let's say a game is all about grappling hooks. You would want your grappling hook uh, mechanic to be in and a space to show off why in engine it, it's a cool idea, why it feels good. And, and so that's kind of your first look. And then maybe you get a little bit of set dressing or you get, you know, a couple more characters in and then it's kind of a vertical slice of like almost, yeah, a vertical slice of the game where like, okay, here, here are all the core systems, here are the core mechanics, here's like some vibes for aesthetic, you know, here's half of a level that's been dressed or whatever. And that, and that provides kind of more of a, uh, like a foundation for, for investors to be like, oh, I kind of see where that's going. And then, and then, and then from there, it's, it's somewhat more of a, at least in my understanding, I'm not huge into production, but uh, more of like a concrete milestone deal where like, okay, now we, you know, we want to have this system firmly in place and 10 characters by the time we, you know, by July, 2023. Um, or we want to release to, we want to release to the public in, in a, in a closed alpha or something um, that is uh, marketable and has this, this, and this, but still isn't fully released and then kind of, and then kind of go from there until, uh, until it meets the requirements to, to be considered like done or close to done. Gotcha. So how you mentioned alpha testing and then, so I received two years ago, the beta test for FIFA and they mm-hmm. like random, random people and they've got their release date already. I think it's like two weeks out at that point or a month out or something like that. What is the crunch time like in in the office where it's like, okay, we release beta testing, XYZ is broken, um, and we need this needs to be ready for full release within three weeks. How how much of a crunch time is there in that, or is there some semblance of like we're gonna release it at this stage, saying okay, we understand this is broken and we're still working to patch it. Like where, like where is that balance in within the office of like 
that that, that will that will vary very wildly by company and management. Um, there are some studios that pride themselves on being super crunchy because they view it as a like a badge of honor. Like, oh yeah, I'll stay. I, I'll sleep on the. I'll sleep here for a week. I won't see my wife for two months. But I got this Yikes. game out. Uh, you know, I'm a rock star or whatever, right? Um, uh, I think the push in general has been towards at least trying to maintain work-life balance um, recently. There are times where sometimes like you just got to put the work in and it's, and it's usually not mandated. It's usually like, Hey guys, you know, we really want to hit this. We're this close. We still got this done. You know, can we figure out a way to do this? Um, so part of it's that sometimes it will be uh, expectations set by other people. Like if you have a publisher who says, Hey, now, marketing has identified this state as the perfect release state, and you kind of need to get it done. Then, then you end up running into either super crunch time for the devs, or um, a poor release because the game hasn't been finished or tested enough, uh, or both. And then you'll run into issues. You know, you run into issues, and it's and it's weighing like, is can we delay the game? Because you hear like, oh, sorry, we have to delay the game frequently enough. Can, can we delay the game to make sure it's a better game or do we need to hit this deadline and what's that going to do? Because while it is possible to do like, yeah, let's patch out, you know, let's, let's do a big content patch in two months and release it, understanding that it's not quite where we wanted it to be. That will take a lot of the momentum out of the release. And it, it can be tough to crawl back from, you know, that initial negative reaction that players have like, Oh, this game's broken. Um, you know, oh, but just wait two months until they patch it is is usually not a good sen- it's not a uh, not a sentiment that play that players enjoy working yeah. through. Yeah, for sure. The reason I asked is because I hadn't I've noticed a lot recently just in my own video game that there seems to be like because it used to be well the ability to release patches to everybody didn't used to exist when there was discs. Like when the game was released, that was the game. Like it wasn't getting patched, mm-hmm. um, and now that the ability to do that exists, I think that also kind of goes into that. Like if you go play Super Mario Strikers, that game is the exact same as it was when it was released in two thousand whatever. Um, hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's opened up you know different ways to monetize. Like free to play is very big now. And that part of that is because you can, you know, games as a service, live service game, keep keep updating and keep adding more content, um, which includes bug fixes and balance changes that you couldn't do on a box title game. Like I can't go back and and update my. I mean, some, some like literally, you could literally in a way, but like uh, like my Jack and Daxter game on the PlayStation, I can't go back and patch, you know, or mod mod yeah. that from the company, right? Like it's it's done. Um, and so I think to some degree that has led to, uh, the idea of, oh yeah, we'll fix that in another patch. Um, but they also have to weigh that with like, how much of how much negativity is going to, going to happen. You know, there was mm-hmm. the one that comes to mind recently, right. Is, is, uh, is cyberpunk, right. Mm-hmm. People, people were pretty disappointed on release. And I do think that they made a lot of progress in, in subsequent patches. And I think they're even. I think they're even trying to ramp up to kind of overhaul a bunch of stuff, you know, kudos to them, but it's not going to erase, you know, 
the the sentiment that players had uh, on release. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever like we talked previously. I only play a handful of a handful of games, so mm-hmm. FIFA always disappointing. Uh not really. The first release is actually usually quite good, and then the first patch usually makes it worse. Mm. From what I've noticed. Um, and then Age of Empires, which has been out since 98. And then like a handful of others. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I need to, I'm not in, I'm not read in on, on that stuff. But the production side is very interesting to me. Just, uh, I don't know. Imagine being like, hey, it's time to test the game now. It's like, oh, that would be great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Was there anything else we were going to talk about? No, no, there, there was. Gosh, I think we hit the, the major notes. I mean, I'm always happy to talk about whatever. I know we wanted to talk about kind of that transition or the, you know, the, the, the lens between like bigger games versus smaller games and kind oh, of the production yeah, yeah. side of that. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on that a little bit. So if, so you, your company now wants to release a game. The marketing side, like how how are you guys going to get out that get that out there? Is it well? I guess I don't know if you can say, but if it's PC, I see Steam would be the way to go. But console console games, how how are you pushing that? Because I know, like when I play Xbox, I get messages sometimes from Xbox saying, "Oh, you're an Xbox Play member, or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Here's this new game that's out on the store." And every it's time a... I just click delete. Yeah. Uh, that's called a system message. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, so so consoles, secondary partners like that, there's a whole certification process. So that's 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 part of it. So that complicates the development potentially. Um, but you do want to, in general, make sure that it's the new games are available to as many players as you can. I don't necessarily like advocate also developing for current gen Switch or like current gen mobile because that limits some of what you can do. But mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do, um, you know, more power to you. Um, from the marketing standpoint, it can be like, Hey, um, do we have a campaign? Are we going to pay influencers to play our game? Do we have a strong, like poster person, a character who represents our vibes? How, how do we, how do we sell the game? Um, and that's, that's definitely part of it. I think that's a deliberate thing, right? Um, we want to make sure the game is as ready as possible for when it does get in players' hands because hype is hugely powerful. If we can generate hype around a game, then everyone will want to try it. Especially in the gaming community, hype. Especially is a in big... the gaming community. Yeah. Especially with you know the relevancy of of like streaming services yeah. nowadays. You know, watch your streamer play this game. Oh, I'll download that game. Um, that kind of thing. And uh, and. And essentially, kind of have a plan and execute on that plan through through those milestones we were talking about before. Like, okay, do we have marketing materials we can kind of tease players with? Do we have promotions? Do we have social media accounts? Do we have a brand manager who knows, you know, who has plans for what we're going to put in place? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and and for each step of that process to release. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned Nintendo actually, or Switch. That's something that's always been interesting to me because they've they've never been within the same like their mainstream, obviously. But it's kind of I've always looked at it as they're just their own thing. 
is that how it is in the like for you guys that are in the industry as well? Uh, Nintendo does their own thing for the most part. They uh, are also fairly strict with the certification process, mm-hmm. um, and they have certain restrictions. They're not. I mean, they're not terrible to work with. I think the biggest the biggest downside to this to the current gen Switch is just the hardware itself. Uh, developing mm-hmm. for the Switch puts limitations on your hardware. Or puts limitations based on the hard. Like it's just not a super super powerful console. Um, yeah. What's different about their certification process than the others? They're just a little bit more strict about certain things. There's a whole list of things that can fail you, and that and that's by partner. So Microsoft give, versus Sony give, versus like an example of something. That uh, would... sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, like branding wise, if you are playing on a PlayStation you are required to identify other players who are playing on a PlayStation by using the PlayStation logo. And so usually that is if you press tab or the menu screen or whatever to show the leaderboard, they'll have a little PlayStation logo next to their name. Players who play on PC will have like just like a like a, a graphic graphic art of a of a PC tower. Yeah. And then players who play on Xbox will will have a little graphic art of a controller. Yeah. And that's just to indicate that they're on GamePad, but they're not on their proprietary platform. And so if that isn't the case, then you will fail cert. Or if there is something you can do on a controller, like uh, let's just say uh, I'm on Xbox and it's press A to accept, and there isn't a call out for the fact that you can do that on a specific scene, then you will fail cert. Um, Interesting. If you, I think one for Nintendo is if you make a specific call to action to purchase something, so rather than like, and this is available in the store. If you say like, you know, uh, buy this and get this, or you should go buy this, then you will fail cert. Um, and and they can just be a little bit strict about um, some of those those things. Interesting. I know Xbox is the opposite. Well, for for their icons, they do the same thing. It's just a gamer pad for right. PlayStation, the Xbox logo, and then. Well, FIFA doesn't really play against PC. I don't think it does cross-platform with PC. So what, there's just a whole laundry list of things for each of these certs. Mm -hmm. And how, so for Xbox and PlayStation, using that icon example, you just give them two separate versions of the same game. Yes, they're different clients. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're pretty similar, but but yeah, they're, they're built on on the development kits for, yeah. the, for those so consoles. it seems it seems like for those two specifically that the that the cert list is pretty similar like I, like you play one game on one and one like like call of duty on playstation call of duty on xbox seems basically the same game aside from but then you play it on nintendo and it's not at all the same game like i remember playing like the like the graphics are different for mm-hmm. for FIFA on um, for like if you had it if you had it on the thing that I didn't understand actually was GameCube Madden was like Madden 08 I remember playing Madden 08 on GameCube and I remember playing it on PlayStation and it was the same and then when this when the Wii came out the Madden that was on the Wii was very different than the same version of the Madden that was on the PlayStation. And I don't, why would, why, 
why is that a thing? Because on GameCube it was the same game, and then if you put the game if you put the GameCube game into the Wii, like the gra- it's the same, obviously. But when they made the switch from GameCube to Wii, all of a sudden the EA Sports games were no longer. It wasn't the same game anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's hardware. Sometimes it's something that you don't even or I don't even know about. Like maybe there was an executive who said this will sell better on the Wii or this is better for the Wii or whatever. Um, sometimes it's just requirements are different um, or, you know, it's kind of nature of things. Um, I, I'd say probably the core of most of the builds cross platforms are the same, right? Like we're all run, we're, you know, we're all, these are all computers, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, I guess specifically for the cert stuff, it's, it's more like what's, what specifically is required for a specific platform or a specific publisher uh, to meet their cert requirements, and how do we incorporate that into the build for their development kit, their their yeah. console? Does that create headaches for you guys, or, or at a certain point, do you guys just know what the list of things is? Uh, and... Both, both, because it can't. It's not super easy, but it, it it's definitely like the case where sometimes uh, a relatively easy change um, can mess up something for cert or um you want to put a build through and for whatever reason they're requiring you to do a full certification for like a a small code change that can be frustrating can delay that it can cost money yeah um and uh but you know overall like i don't begrudge those publishers the certification process because you know they want to make sure that there's a certain standard and certain requirements for for games on their platforms yeah, uh, but it, but it is but it can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Hmm. I think we've hit on most everything. You got any last nickels or things that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I was I'm pretty happy with the the breadth of stuff we talked about today. Hopefully, somebody uh, listening in at home has found this interesting. And as always, like I appreciate you uh, you asking me on here to talk about stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This was a great conversation. My brain is kind of conked out, so wanted to. Yeah, this was a great conversation, to be honest. We made it through the Titanic. You know, it's like the comedy set where they make it through the rough patch. It's like we made it through. We made it through the rough patch. We got some video games. We're all good. We're all good. Um, yeah, this is a great conversation. Guy, um, are you? Do you want to plug your streaming stuff? Are you going to start again? Or um, are you... sure. I mean, I do plan on starting again. Sure, I'll do my socials. I even. I didn't even tell you this. I actually did a, a test shoot for modeling. So now I made myself like a modeling. Ooh. parasocials as well it's super super basic but that you know remember this day 10 years from now i'll, I'll be on uh whatever calvin klein um <laughs> but I'll, I'll plug socials uh i am uh on twitter although i'm not a huge fan of elon um at nico ergo sum n-e-c-o-e-r-g-o-s-u-m on twitch i am the same n-e-c-o-e-r-g-o-s-u-m and then on Instagram, you don't even follow me on Insta because I don't post very often, but I am I Kevin's Kevin's Reading. K-E-V-I-N-S-R-E-A-D-I-N-G. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. All those links will be in the, descri- the, the, the description. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a sign that's a good time to stop. <laughs> I'll have to pick it up next time. Oh, for sure. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. All right, peace.